left fielders. Welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. Our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently. Let's go. I had another aha, which was, man, I don't love being a landlord. And is there a way to passively invest into real estate and real assets without all the extra work? And this is going from active investing to passive investing as a limited partner into these real assets. At Left Field Investors, we are passionate about real estate investing, but we don't want to deal with the three T's, termites, toilets, and tenants. We think real estate syndications are the best way to build wealth without being a landlord. However, many real estate syndications can have a cost of entry that is too high to diversify effectively. Enter TribeVest. TribeVest is the platform that allows you to invest as a group with like-minded people and accomplish more together. TribeVest allows groups to pool their capital, set up their multi-member LLCs and bank accounts, plus help with operating agreements, funding rounds, and so much more. When you invest as a tribe, you can get into more deals with a level of confidence that is hard to match by yourself. That's why I'm in 11 tribes. TribeVest is the premier partner for left-field investors. And what's even better is that all left-field investors get premium onboarding for free. Go to tribevest.com slash LFI to start your tribe today. You are listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast, powered by TribeVest. The mission of Left Field Investors is to build a community of like-minded individuals interested in creating financial freedom through passively investing in real assets that generate real cash flow. In this podcast, Jim Piper will interview passive investors, syndicators, and others who will share their journey with a focus on helping the passive real estate investor learn and become part of the Left Field community. This is Russ Morgan, and you're listening to Passive Investing with Left Field Investors. I am really excited about today's guest, Travis Smith, founder and CEO of TribeVest. Travis and TribeVest have been an incredible partner and friend, both personally and to Left Field Investors. This podcast would not be happening without the initial support of Travis and TribeVest. Not only did they pay for the podcast initially, but Travis convinced me to do it. So we're happy to have him back on. He's also was a guest on episode 16, which is almost two years ago, if you can believe that. So definitely go check out that episode. But Travis, welcome to Passive Investing from Left Field. Jim, good to be here, my friend, and happy St. Patrick's Day. Yes, thank you. That'll be long gone by the time this airs. But yes, it is St. Patrick's Day. We're both wearing green. Well, not really, but we'll say we are. That's why we do a podcast and not video. So Travis, we've heard your journey before. We can listen to it on episode 16, but can you just give a recap? of who you are and how you got to where you are today. Jim, yes, thank you. Again, Travis Smith, founder and CEO of TribeVest. Many of your listeners know the story, but the origins of TribeVest go back to 2008. My brothers and I were doing conventional investing, and we'll talk about this, conventional finance. And we realized that we would never be able to reach the financial freedom that we dreamed of. We knew that people that were building wealth and were living their best lives were business owners and investing in real estate. And we wanted to do that. 
And we were bumping up against all the challenges that come with those things. And we realized that together we could do more and we could go further. So that's when we formed a multi-membered LLC, opened up a business bank account, started pulling capital together. And one deal turned into another, turned into another. And we look back and we realized that by forming and funding that investor tribe, we unlocked a future that none of us could have achieved on our own. And four years ago, people started asking us, hey, how are you doing all this investing? We told them the power of the tribe and they asked, could we help them form an investor tribe? And that's when we decided to go out, build the infrastructure, the banking and collaborative infrastructure for the private investing world. And that's the platform we've built. We have thousands of investor tribes on our platform now doing all sorts of things and just exciting times for TribeVest and LFI for that matter. Yeah, most definitely. And I do want to get on the record before we jump into this, that the world record for number of TribeVest tribes has increased to 14 because I joined another one yesterday. So I might be an addict. Well, Jim, congratulations. I just want to bring it to your attention. We have one with 10 and forecasting another five here for them. So there is some competition hot on your heels and wanted to just give you a fair heads up there. Well, I appreciate that. I still want my trophy, but we're going <laughs> to dig into this. And what we're going to talk about today is something that Travis and I call community personal finance. And part of this is by the end of the episode, hopefully we'll be able to turn community into a verb. That's part of the goal because we're going to community some deals. We're going to community the analysis of those deals. And that's really what we're going for. So in what we call community personal finance, there are basically three types of personal finance. Can you explain those to us? Absolutely, Jim. And you're the one that really helped simplify this and, and break it down into a digestible way. But when we all think about it, we're all familiar with what we call is conventional personal finance. And this is what we all grew up with, at least my family did, in a lot of ways comes from a place of scarcity. It's all about saving for a rainy day, making sure you save more and you don't outlive your savings. So all good concepts, not spending more than you make. Again, all fundamental good concepts, but that's the conventional personal finance that we were taught maybe in school and maybe at home. When it comes to investing, you're investing in the public stock market and a more traditional investing. There's a lot of resources out there. This is a huge market. You have financial advisors. I think there's over 6,000 financial advisors, two former financial advisors here on the phone right now. That's right. a very mature market, meaning there's a lot of technology. Things make it really easy. You can save right into your 401k. There's just all sorts of cool things out there. You think about Robinhood and how inexpensive it is to do it, etc. So this is the conventional, traditional, personal finance. And what my brothers and I came across in 2008 was this idea, and we didn't know what to call it, but we just knew we needed to invest in real things. We needed to invest in businesses, real estate. But the challenge with those, right, is there's no financial advisors out there, really, certainly not in the traditional sense. 
there's very little technology out there and that's because it's so antiquated it's very entrepreneurial and quite literally the deals are hidden it's against the law in a lot of cases to share and market broadly any deals that are out there so how do you break into alternative investing or in personal or alternative personal finance and we'll talk more about that and then third and i'll just introduce it here tease it a little bit here but what we're introducing is community personal finance and what that is is instead of saving or investing in things it's about investing in people and your network and community and you're wondering how does that turn into building wealth well stay tuned but jim if you wouldn't mind like even go a little deeper on why alternative investing and alternative personal finance what was the aha you had and why is it so important for people to understand it that's a great summary of where we are right you have the conventional and you have alternatives and then we're introducing this third way which has served me well so far and i think it will others also but yeah the aha moment i had was when i'm looking at conventional personal finance the easiest way to look at it is from a retirement perspective right so let's give the example of somebody they have a million dollars at retirement right well every one of those six thousand financial advisors just about will tell you you need to keep that million dollars at a million dollars because you don't know when you're going to die all of this retirement math would be easier if we knew when we were going to die we don't so you take that million dollars and every financial advisor is going to tell you you can only take four percent right so what's four percent of a million 40 grand that's your annual income every year and it's never going up and you hope it doesn't go down right so let's say your taxes you got to pay taxes out of that so let's assume you're in the 25 percent bracket so let's say you take 30 grand home the value that million dollars you are hoping the million dollars stays the same and you're hoping you can live on thirty thousand dollars a year now as we know hope is not a strategy or at least it's not a very good one so if you just take that same million and you go into the alternative personal finance space let's say you're in real estate syndications like many of us left fielders are you have that same million dollars even with the changes in the market and everything you can reasonably probably expect a seven percent annual return right so that's a million dollars that's gonna be 70 grand already you're beating conventional right then you take taxes out but if you're doing things right and you're doing it in real estate you're probably not taking any taxes so the seventy thousand dollars goes in your pocket now you're at 70 grand versus 30 grand off that same million but the best part is yet to come right as they say in the infomercials because that million is likely the lowest that will ever be because you're not paying the 70,000 out of the million the million produces the 70,000 and typically your asset value will go up so over time the 70,000 will keep increasing where in the market you're just trying to hold on to that million and that 4% and that 40,000 and so that will be ever decreasing so when i kind of figured out those and put those next to each other it was a no-brainer right why would i do anything but alternatives and so that's where i am so what i'd like to ask you is if you can dig in a little bit more to conventional as compared to alternatives and then also there's active and passive when we get into the alternatives especially and i think sometimes it gets confusing because i thought i was passive when i was active now i know i'm passive so can you talk a little bit about the transition there as well yeah you'll have to share your story too but i think of this as an evolution right and eventually not say most people but most of us have this eventual path 
to getting into private investing. But I think what we're seeing now is if we're more intentional, we can get there faster and live a better life and have provide more for our family and the next generations. But yeah, getting back to the conventional, it's familiar, it's expected, it's easy, everyone's doing it. It's just, it's part of our society and our culture. And then again, active real estate investing is always that kind of that natural next step. And it's kind of familiar. Most of us that are doing conventional personal finance, we own our own home. So that's familiar. We've purchased a house. We understand how that works. And then a nice next step is getting into a rental, true investment. And what we learn though is it's not as easy as a passive investment. The roof needs fixed. You're getting calls from your tenant and your landlord. And this is hard, especially when you have a W-2 and you have all your other responsibilities. So what I loved about left field investors, and you kind of helped me see this, but that's great experience and everything else and nothing wrong with active real estate investing. But I had another aha, which was, man, I don't love being a landlord. And is there a way to passively invest into real estate and real assets without all the extra work? And this is going from active investing to passive investing as a limited partner into these real assets. But even that's hard, Jim. So again, I didn't mean to steal your story there, but I love your personal journey. And then also how hard it is to, to like not just get into active real estate investing, but then how and where do you get into passive investing, which sounds easy, but as we know, to be good at it, it's anything but passive. So like that's hard too. Yeah, I completely agree. And we've talked about this, Travis. When I was a passive investor owning my own real estate, I was active. I called myself passive because I hired a property manager and they would talk to the tenant. So I'm completely passive, right? Well, no, I got to manage the property manager. I was an asset manager. And there's a difference between an asset manager and a property manager. And when I was doing active finance or active real estate, I didn't know the difference between an asset manager and a property manager. I do now. And that's why when I do passive investing, I'm hiring an asset manager and I'm hiring a professional. And that's where all the active part to my day comes now, where I am reviewing a sponsor and making sure that they are a quality asset manager, that they know how to hire a quality property manager and that they'll deal with everything. And one thing I've figured out is that unless you have a distinct competitive advantage where you know a market better than somebody else, or you can swing a hammer better than somebody else, or you can do something active better than somebody else, then you are not going to beat passive investing syndication returns as an active investor owning turnkey homes or whatever. You're just not, unless you have expertise. I don't have expertise, so I went on to do passive. And now we're getting into what you and I call community personal finance, right? And what is that? And I know I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but I'm just going to give you my take on this real quick, and then you can jump in with how you think about it, because we've developed this together, this concept, and it's important to talk about it. And the problem or some of the challenges with being a passive investor in this alternative personal finance space is you got to find quality operators. You got a huge learning curve. When you send a wire, it's terrifying, especially the first time, right? It's scary the 10th time, but 
the first time when you're not sure it's going to land where it should, it's scary. And then you're doing all of this alone, right? And it's super difficult because these are long-term, illiquid investments that are completely out of your control. So how do you know that the operator you're dealing with is doing a good job? Well, you won't for five to 10 years. So what do you do? That's where community comes in. Just listening to you, it's like, fundamentally, we understand that people that are successfully growing their wealth and are doing it, they're investing in things like these, right? But to hear you say that, I'm like, how does anybody get into it? I mean, right? (laughs) Well, it's a challenge, right? Right. And when you think of your financial advisor, you're hiring a financial advisor, that's one person, that's your team, they're going to make recommendations. But when you join a community and you community your deals or community your analysis and your vetting, now in my community, I have 1,300 financial advisors who are giving me advice. Now, admittedly- It started with eight people, right? Or was it six in your dinner club? Yeah, it was 12 in the dinner club that never happened. But 1,300 is too many advisors, but you can pick the advice and we have a forum and all these other ways that you can just learn from the people who have learned, have gone there before. And that's what community personal finance is. And there's kind of four different aspects to it that we really think about. And the first is education, right? You're learning. And if you're learning in a community, you're learning, but you're teaching. And the one thing that I have found out through my career is the more I'm teaching, the more I'm learning because I can't teach you something without learning it myself. And so I've had both roles in the community. Everyone in our community has both roles as teacher and learner. And so that's the education bucket of community personal finance. Then there's the network, right? That's obvious. We've talked about that. 1,300 people in this community. I'm in another community with several hundred people. I'm part of TribeVest, which is 10,000 plus. So I'm in multiple communities, but I use that network. And I use the other community members for things like who are great sponsors? Who's a great attorney? Who's a great CPA? Who's a great financial advisor? All of these things I get from my community. And what that gives me are two things. The education, the network provide confidence, number one, and access, number two. So one of the first deals I got in, and I was talking to Steve Sue, who's now a founder of Left Field Investors, and he said he invested with the same operators I did. Man, the relief I felt, the confidence. Here's a smart guy. He's a doctor. He's doing the same thing I'm doing. It just made me feel like, okay, this isn't a scam. This isn't a Ponzi scheme. This is for real. I sent my money someplace and it's going to be returned to me multiples of that. And so that the confidence is huge. And then finally, the fourth part of community personal finance is access, right? The communities provide access to deals. And we're going to talk more about the new open tribe concept, but what that does is that is access, right? So left field investors and other communities, they provide access to deals, sometimes with enhanced terms because the community can come together. Travis, if you're going to invest 50 grand in a deal, no one's going to say, oh, hey, you're a big hitter. Here's some extra return on the back end. But you bring them a million dollars, guess what? They're going to start listening and they're going to start paying you more. They're going to give you a higher pref and better back end terms. So that's the access that you get. So All of that, if you think of these four circles coming together of education, network, access, confidence, that is community personal finance. And that's what Left Field Investors is dedicated to. And that's what TribeVest's use for Left Field Investors is because you allow us to get that access through our network. And that gives everybody confidence to move forward. So I know this is your interview and I jumped in with a whole bunch of stuff there, but 
That's kind of my take on it. No, and look, I think of the left field investors' origins, and it reminds me so much of the Tribest origins. Here you were getting that aha of, okay, I need to be investing in real assets. You've made that leap. And then this idea of how do we start to find vet and invest in passive investing into real estate and real assets. And I think that was a little bit of the origins of your supper club that never happened just before COVID. But you need your community. You need your tribe. And at that time, it was much more like the size of a tribe. It was 12 people, not 1,200. But that's what you were seeking. You were looking for a place to collaborate, to discuss, to do a sanity check, right? Like, am I crazy? And that was my brothers and I to a T in 2008. We're very driven. We had just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We were having these ahas, but the how do we do it? And fortunately, we kind of did what the mankind has been doing since the beginning, which is turn to your tribe, turn to your family and come together. And that's exactly what we did because we lacked all those things. We lacked the education. We lacked the confidence. We lacked the network. We lacked the access. And most of all, Jim, we lacked capital, right? Early in our careers, we were doing well. We had a nice W-2, but we certainly realized that we weren't wealthy when a house that had been in our family for a long time was being sold by the prior generation. And we kind of came in and said, oh, yeah, I guess it's our turn for our generation to buy this vacation home that's been so important to us. And we came to do it and we didn't have the capital. So that was the big kind of slap in the face of like, whatever you're doing right now, you got to change it. And again, we came together as brothers, the four of us formed a multi-membered LLC, opened up a business bank account and started pulling our capital. So we could get into investments. And then we leveraged our network. We were going to do our first deal. And that's what we did. About, I don't know, 12 months after forming our tribe, we did a real estate syndication, actually passive investing into a physician's office in Pasadena, California. Then we kind of felt cheated on that. You've heard me tell this story before, Jim where I was like, man, that was too easy. And we wanted to feel what it felt like to be real active real estate investors. And we got into the single family business for a while, which did very well for us. But we kind of realized that, oh, well, good to know. It's awesome to know what it takes to be an active real estate investor. But confirming that being a limited partner in a deal was a great way to go. So it's funny, we kind of have gone full circle there. But through this experience, we built up an incredible portfolio that's changed our lives, put me in a position four years ago to leave my destination high paying job to start TribeVest. And it's afforded our family all sorts of things. And that's the power of the tribe and the community. If I'm to reflect on it a little bit more, Jim, it almost never happened, right? Just because of all the challenges that come with forming a group, do I need an attorney? How do I open up a business bank account? How do we structure this? 
how do we pull capital? How do we track it? How do we do the communications out so everybody's on the same page? And I think anybody that has thought about doing something as a group has kind of run into that. Fortunately, we persevered and we saw just how powerful it is once you do. But four or five years ago, when it came time to saying, hey, could we build TribeVest? We really had to think about what would we do differently? And the answer was everything. (laughs) The answer was everything. But that's exactly what we did. We built a platform that streamlines all those things so that you can come together and invest as a tribe, do more together and go further together. And as you know, the first tribe, the origin tribe, was just one kind of reason or strategy for a tribe. And that one was really, listen, let's pull capital together. I almost think of it as a experimental tribe or just learning together tribe where we just pulled capital. We were super opportunistic and we would look at real estate deals. We would look at different business ventures, different startups, and even racehorses. So we were really opportunistic when it came to our tribe, but that's just kind of one approach. At the beginning of the show here, Jim, you were talking about how many tribes you're in. And I think when I saw how you were leveraging the platform, I really started to understand all the different applications and reasons for forming a tribe. And would you mind kind of talking about that for a second in terms of why you would form a tribe? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm in too many tribes to count. And because of the new open tribe, which we'll talk about in a bit, it's just going to keep going because as we talked about, I had reached the limit, I thought, of the usefulness of the different tribes. There's really five uses that I found. And the first one is mastermind. That's where you get a group of five or 10 people together. Everyone is interested in digging in and really learning together. And so when you present a deal, you have to defend it. And people are going to be asking you all kinds of questions, poking holes in it. And that's where the real learning comes. It's five people or 10 people, or however many, that are all working together to find deals and analyze them together. There's, cro- there's crossover here, but I think that's how I would categorize our origin tribe, my brother's tribe. It was very much that. Hi, this is Zach Haptonstall, CEO and co-founder of Rise48 Equity. At Rise48, we partner with investors like you to purchase large apartment buildings that we renovate to increase the value and create a profit margin for our investors through monthly passive cash flow distributions and profits on sale. We're a vertically integrated company specializing in the Phoenix, Arizona and Dallas, Texas markets with over 200 plus full-time W-2 employees who are focused on making sure your investment is taken care of. To learn more about Rise48 Equities Multifamily Investments, Schedule a call with me at rise48equity.com backslash invest. If you're listening to this podcast, then you're probably already thinking about ways to generate income passively and to reduce your tax burden. But did you know that you can retain more of your W-2 income by investing in oil and gas? As you might know, my income is generally passive. But if you're a high wage earner who still gets a large portion of your income from a W-2 job, this investment opportunity could help you hold on to more of your hard-earned money, which means you have the chance to make more passive investments. Billy Keels and the team at First Generation Capital Partners are experienced with investing in this sector, and they have a free 
free download available for our listeners who want to learn more. To find out just how much you could save by investing in oil and gas, head to firstgencp.com slash LFI pay less tax and download your free guide. The next kind is the training tribe, which I've done a few of these where you have one person who maybe has some expertise or is involved and exposed already to passive investing. And then a couple of mine, well, two tribes have 11 people in them and the other 10 are just brand new. They don't know anything about passive investing, but they know, hey, I want to get into real estate. I've heard about this community personal finance. How do I do it? And, you know, we put in a couple hundred bucks a month and once a year we get enough capital of 25 grand to invest in a deal. And after a couple of years, what I tell these tribes is, hey, you got to go on your own now, right? You've learned, we've looked at deals together, we've talked it through, we've had all these meetings where we're teaching and educating. Now you go form your own tribe and invest on your own, right? So it's just not really to make a bunch of money, it's to learn. So that's the training tribe. Then there's leverage the expert uh, tribe is what I call it. And this is where you have somebody like me who's in this all day. And I have a couple of high paid professional uh, buddies of mine who don't have the time or interest really to dig into real estate. And so we kind of came together and they said, hey, you find the deals and we'll all fund them together. And so that's what we do. I find the deals and I say, hey, I got a self-storage deal. You guys interested? You got capital? They say, yes, we invest. They say, no, we don't. And they don't really pay attention to it because they trust me and they're just looking to grow their wealth. So that's kind of leveraging the expert. And then probably my favorite kind of tribe, and I'm in a few of these, are experimental tribes. These are where... I don't want to put a hundred grand into something brand new that I don't understand, like an RV park or a pickleball club is one that we did. Just some of this more interesting stuff. I love chasing the shiny object, but instead of me doing it on my own, I get in a group with 10 people. So instead of putting 50 grand into one new deal that I don't understand, I'm putting five in. Or if it's a new operator that we don't know, but we're excited about learning about, you know, you got to invest with them really to make sure that they know what they're doing. So maybe instead of putting a hundred grand, we put in 10 each. So that's kind of experimental, gets you into new asset classes, new operators, even new markets. And then finally, institutional access. And this is the concept I think that kind of put into your head and my head a little bit, hey, there's something here for open tribes, which we'll talk about last. But institutional is, there's operators out here, we see them through the family office club and some other, that their minimum is 500 grand or a million dollars, right? Or some of the operators that we currently do business with, they'll give us better terms at a million dollars. Well, I don't have a million dollars to put in one deal, but if I can get 30 people, right, to put in that much to get into one deal, then we can have a lower minimum, right? We can get into this deal and it's a single purpose entity. So you create a tribe just for one deal to get you access to some of these institutional type deals. And so I think that was the spark that gave you the idea that, hey, this open tribe thing could be something. So those are my five kind of tribe types. And I have a couple of each of those, which got me to the 10. And then all the rest of them that are starting up now is when I, sometimes I join one of these open tribes because left field investors, we do deal webinars to present our community deal flow. And every single one of those deals that we present has an open tribe ready to go with it. And TribeBest has made that super easy. So if you have some comments on the kind of tribes I do, that'd be great. But I'd really like to dig into open tribes as well. Yeah, let's go there. I think you were talking about what led to the open tribes. And I can think of a few things. And I'll look at it in a couple of ways. I think very specifically, look, Jim, you actually came to me and said, I love TribeVest, but I'm basically at capacity. And I like to remind people that 
Although we've made group investing 10 times easier, 10 times faster, 10 times less expensive, 10 times safer, infinitely more transparent, it's still not easy, right? So there is this effort and energy that's required by that champion, by that founder. And at some point, it makes sense that you kind of get at capacity. So that was the first kind of man, how do we make this more streamlined and frictionless so there isn't this at capacity? The second one was these institutional deals were coming up and we were thinking about that from how do we use TribeVest as a way to participate in those deals that we likely couldn't or wouldn't on our own. And those were really kind of the two things that were pushing this. And if I think about from the evolution in our parallel paths, I mean, left field investors and tribe best. And I think about how this started with a supper club, which was that community aspect. You guys were looking to community deals. You were collectively sharing and learning. And then you came in and you started to use tribes as a way to take action. So not just build the confidence and have that network, but what a great way to take action and hold ourselves accountable as tribes. And then I think as you progressed left field investors kind of unknowingly along the way, it just kept growing, but eventually it led to this podcast. It led to a more formal community. And I think about you guys took that supper club and took it to scale, right? You're still doing this, but it's become a bigger community collectively sharing, learning, networking, community in. And then the next evolution here is, well, tribes help you take action. Well, open tribes help the whole community take action at scale. And so I think it's important for everybody to know, Left Field Investors has really upped their services and value to the community. And I just want to point out one kind of big thing that was another reason why Open Tribes was enabled. But the consistency that you guys have built with your communications with the community, of course, you guys have your monthly infielder meetings, but you also have all these different events throughout the week. And you have two deal webinars, presentations that sponsors sign up for and they come and introduce themselves to the community so people get to meet new sponsors and operators and if they have a deal they might introduce that deal and of course on i think wednesdays it's the tribe vest deal webinar sponsored by tribe vest and then you have your preferred partner slot on thursday but what happened when you started to do that service consistently bringing that deal flow to the community what we're able to do was now every deal that is presented we just open a tribe and you're getting an idea of what an open tribe is but it's based around a single deal and if you form the business around that single deal it becomes real easy for the members to join and participate and what that does is it enables them to join or participate at a lower minimum right so if the sponsor is pitching a deal that's say fifty thousand dollars 
absolutely you can invest directly if you're accredited and all those things that are required by the deal and specified by the deal and you can participate directly with the sponsor or through left field investors and open tribes you can actually participate in that deal maybe at 25k or maybe at 10k and all this without having a founder that champion having to kind of coordinate everything we just made it so simple and turnkey that you just have to join and it's awesome we're just seeing tribes forming left and right and people participating in deals that sometimes have never participated in deals they're participating in more deals but it's just been really exciting and an amazing evolution yeah and a couple things there you mentioned accredited i think one of the game changers here is also for non-accredited because there's an operator that we deal with where they can take 35 non-accredited right but they only take the 35 non-accredited that invest the most money so their minimum is 50 grand if you're non-accredited you cannot get in their deals for 50 grand unless you are part of lfi and tribe vest because in open tribe we made those minimums i think ten thousand dollars so if you're not accredited you can jump into that open tribe put 10 grand in the open tribe always gets at least 100 or 200 grand in it on these deals so all of a sudden that open tribe becomes the largest non-accredited investor in the deal and so now a non-accredited can get in for 10 15 or 20 grand when before they couldn't even get in for 50 so that's one thing. The other thing where you're kind of soft peddling this a little bit, I think, but the having TribeVest manage these open tribes is incredible because, look, I have an open tribe that was before open tribes, right? It's one of these institutional access deals. We have 28 members. So when distributions come out, I got to send out distributions to 28 people. I got to get 28 social security numbers when I file the tax return. It's work, right? But if it's an open tribe managed by TribeVest, I just sit back and enjoy, and I just wait for you to send me my K-1. I wait for you to send me my distributions. I don't have to do anything. So as you said, it is a little bit complicated managing a tribe. It's worth it. The benefits way outpace the downsides. But when it's an open tribe, there's really no downsides because someone else is managing it. All it is is one extra step with that extra K-1. So, well, let me back up. Regular tribes through TribeVest was a complete game changer and open tribes just adds another huge change, right? Because you can still do the regular tribes, and I will and I do, but now you have all these open tribes that are just frictionless to get in and frictionless to operate. So kudos to you guys because it's a great service to our community. Well, thanks for pushing us. And that's true. Like, ton of where our product is today is just feedback from you, the community, and our customers, and that's what has led us to these open tribes. No, you're right. I think it's one thing to start a tribe and then it's another thing to manage it. So what TribeVest has done with Open Tribes is we've taken care of that admin, right? Any communications that are coming in from the sponsors, we're distributing that to all the members. Any distributions that are coming in to the tribe, we're distributing that to all the members. The K1s, where one K1 comes into the tribe we're doing and processing that and sending those k1s to each one of the members so when you think about it just that back office communication work is incredibly valuable and again gives people the ability to scale 
and do as many tribes as they want. Yeah. And look, we're running out of time here, but I do want to ask, is open tribes, could that help a capital raiser in some form? Could they use an open tribe to drive their business forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think two main applications here. The one we've talked about is the community and no better example of that than left field investors. And then the capital raisers are really, really excited, right? You think about all the back office work that they're out there doing. These are, these are investors. A lot of them are in your community. They're LPs, they're limited you know, passive investors, limited partners but they've put a lot of work in and in developing their relationships and have formed relationships with these sponsors vetted these deals and they recognize this opportunity to kind of instead of come with a hundred thousand dollars they have a whole network of people that might want to come in for a million dollars and they're doing this already but they're doing it with spreadsheets google drives and everything else and so when they see the power of TribeVest that we take care of all that back office stuff for them, it talking about a game changer, yeah, big game changer for them. So yeah, those are the two exciting fronts for us, helping communities and then these capital raisers out there, helping them with their business, really. Absolutely. So Travis, the last question I always ask is, what is a great podcast that you listen to? I don't recall what you said in episode 16, but it'll be interesting to check and see if it's a different one this time. Jim, you've made me a believer. This podcast is my favorite, and I'm not just saying that. So I think the last time I said Wealth Formula, and that still is one of my favorites. In fact, I'm going to be on with Buck here in the next couple of weeks, which I'm really excited about. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. And Wealth Formula is a great podcast, so I enjoy that one as well. And finally, if listeners want to get in touch with you, learn more about TribeVest, what's the best way to do that? LinkedIn is where I'm most active out there. So you can just put in LinkedIn, Travis Smith, TribeVest. Let me know that you heard me on this podcast, or certainly if you're part of the left field investor community, I want to connect with you. And then of course, going to TribeVest.com, learning about TribeVest, our open tribes. You can schedule a call with our team. So TribeVest.com is a great place to find me and learn more. Perfect. And TribeVest has a great team. They're super responsive. So it's always a pleasure dealing with Travis and his full team. So Travis, thank you so much for being a fantastic partner to LFI, to providing these tribes so we can get into more deals and diversify and just become better investors. We appreciate all you do for our community. And thanks again for being on the podcast. And we'll have to get you on again, and we're not going to wait 100 episodes this time. I appreciate that. I appreciate all you do too, Jim. Thanks for being an awesome partner and friend. Thank you. Aspen Funds has been a consistent supporter of left field investors. You may have seen Bob Frazier on an LFI webinar or at our October meetup in the left field speaking on investable megatrends for the next decade. Whether you're an accredited investor interested in mortgage note funds with a 10-year track record or other macro-driven alternative investments such as industrial, oil and gas, multifamily, or retail, the Aspen Funds team is keeping track of the economic trends and co-invests on every deal right alongside you. Meanwhile, you get to do what you love and make every moment count. Download their free economic report today at aspenfunds.us LFI. Self-storage has been one of the fastest growing real estate sectors for four decades straight. With inflation on the rise, it may be the hedge you're looking for. 
Spartan Investment Group identifies low-risk, value-add investment opportunities in commercial real estate. Their private debt and equity opportunities offer stable monthly payments and predictable returns. And since they put every investment through a 700-plus point due diligence checklist, you can invest with confidence. To learn more, visit Spartan-Investors.com. That was a lot of fun talking with Travis. I said it in the main podcast, but Travis and Tribest have been instrumental in allowing us to even do this podcast. Travis had the idea, hey, Jim, go do a podcast. And then he put his money where his mouth is literally. Tribest paid for all the stuff we needed to get started. So I'm super grateful. But our partnership goes well beyond the podcast. As you know, we're partnering on presenting deals and we're working with Tribest just hand in glove. It's just a fantastic relationship. Travis and his team are phenomenal. So just wanted to get that out there if that wasn't already clear. I'm a fanboy of Travis and Travis. And the concept of community personal finance, Travis and I have kind of worked on this. We've done a few presentations on it. And as he mentioned, conventional investing, it's easy. You just go to Robinhood, you go to Schwab and throw money in your 401k, put it in index funds and off you go. Easy doesn't necessarily mean good, but it is easy. And then alternatives, it's hard, right? You got to find the investments. You got to send wires. You got to figure out, is this legit? Am I getting scammed or not? And there's just so much to it. It's very difficult, but it's profitable, right? You make more money and you pay less tax. That's why alternatives are interesting. So you add in the community aspect as we're trying to make community a verb. Let's community alternatives. So that's what uh, community personal finance is. It's adding in the community aspect to make alternative investing easier and work better. And that's kind of the passion that Travis and I have, both of us, is we're trying to expose as many people to alternative investing as we can. We're trying to make it easy. Left Field makes it easier because you have a community, you get education, you get deal flow. And TribeBest makes it easier because they make it so you can invest together, reduce your minimums, increase diversification. So there's just so much there that we work together. And TribeBest, they solve part of the capital problem, right? Everyone has limited capital. Everyone. Even Bill Gates has limited capital. He has different limits than, than you and I do, but he has limited capital. But TribeBest solves the problem. If you only have 50 grand to invest in a year, you can get in 10 deals, five deals, more than one deal. And that's the power of TribeBest. And Open Tribes, as we talked about, it just changes the game because now I don't have to go find a bunch of people, put together a tribe, do all the administration, which I still do. That's still a valuable thing. But now with Open Tribes, I can just have TribeBest manage it. And with the deal flow that Left Field or, or any community has given you, you can just jump into these Open Tribes and test things out and smaller capital outlays are the goal there. So that's awesome. We're going to continue talking about community personal finance, but I just had a great time chatting with Travis and TribeBest and they will continue to be a partner of ours for as long as left field exists. That's my hope. That's my intention. So I had a great time chatting with Travis. Hope you enjoyed this episode. That's all for now. We'll see you next time in the left field. Thanks for hanging out in left field with us today. If you're interested in becoming a left fielder, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.leftfieldinvestors.com or you can send me an email, jim at leftfieldinvestors.com. Thank you for listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. If you enjoy the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the show. 
This show is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing said on the show should be considered financial advice. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Passive Investing from Left Field and Left Field Investors. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.